Okay. Hey, everybody. This is another edition of the Working Experience Podcast. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was flipping his toenails at his desk. Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay and this is the Working Experience and I'm here with John and it is 8.43 in the a.m. on this Saturday morning and it is April 28th and uh, we were just talking about John's uh, son, Aiden, who won uh, uh, the the equestrian competition that he was in yeah it was the ieas it's like uh he won the he won the nationals uh so it was uh it was in syracuse lovely syracuse new york yes lovely this time of year from what i hear lovely yeah it was it was actually it was actually pretty cold (laughs) and the uh ieas for the layman is the international equestrian association is that right that's correct. Okay, so uh, I was just talking with somebody about. Uh, I'm sorry, we get into these little digressions, but that that's the way a conversation goes. Upstate New York um, ha- <clears throat> has its appeals, but I have found the majority of towns and cities I've been to up there, and it's not been a lot, but a lot of them are just like decaying hovels. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Like they're they're just it's rough, you know. You know it. Um, you're you're right, but there is a um, there is a strong resurgence of like Syracuse is pretty bustling. No, um, Sy- Syracuse I mean, is an exception. Yes, yeah. But there's also there's like this there's this town um, like I think it's called Plattsburgh that has become like a cryptocurrency hub. Because um, the electricity is so cheap up there, because the, I guess a, uh, there's a river runs through it that you know provides like super cheap electricity, um, and then there's there's other thing there are other dynamics that are going on that um, like the legalization of marijuana, which has happened in your lovely state, Matt, in Massachusetts. It's on the verge of happening in uh, New Jersey, and you know New York is kind of. Uh, you know, it's kind of on the fence. But if, um, you know, if marijuana was legalized in the state of New York, there would be a huge resurgence to the economies in upstate New York because of the growing potential um, of marijuana within these these old warehouses. I think, um, I don't know, forget what the stat is, but I think Manhattan is like, the it's the highest consumption of, of weed in the nation. And I think right now, all of that, uh, all of that marijuana comes via California uh, illegally, which is just kind of ironic. So it's legal in California, but they're producing so much weed that they're 
they're dumping it on the illegal market. It's illegal to transport marijuana across state lines, but I guess it's easier to get marijuana from California than, say, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, so, so you have these towns up there that are, you know, you're right. They've, they've been completely depressed, but, you know, there's, there's a resurgence. Yeah, I just remember like going up to the Catskills, which look very nice, but then I was staying in the one of the towns, but and I, I mean, I thought the car was going to be vandalized <laughs> just in like the motel. <laughs> like I remember I was in the motel and it was this small it was like near Craigsmore. That was the nice town and then there's some little like city, I don't know if it's a city or a town, but I remember there were all these kids. It's like one o'clock in the morning. There's this whole gang of kids gathered in the parking lot of this dumpy motel. And I'm like, what, why? This is what passes for recreation up here? Well, I think, I think like, you know, you know, in, in a similar vein of like Vermont, um, they, a lot of these small towns are dealing with, you know, opiate crisis and um, heroin and just, you know, when, they, when the economy completely falls apart and young people have, you know, a pretty bleak existence, you know, working at the local Walmart, um, I think that, you know, opiate grabs its tentacles into those communities and it's, it's, not, it's not pretty. No, no, not at all. Um, so to get back to the idea of employment, uh, I found, and I think this was again via Forbes magazine, which is very helpful at putting like these lists on my facebook feed um it was what companies do that is kind of crappy to their employees uh some of which i can kind of relate to um so they had number one was ranking programs that compare employees to one another rated best to worst like i don't know if i was rated the worst employee i suppose i would just quit my job or something i don't i don't know <laughs> or maybe i just wouldn't care like if they were willing to keep me on like all right fine whatever but i i've always heard like bosses you know it's like a uh, well donald trump certainly subscribes to this like fostering competitiveness and sort of this uh you know um dynamic of like trying to get ahead of each other is supposed to foster creativity or productivity or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's the Lord of the flies model, you know, it's uh, you know, survivor <laughs> at its best. I did work for somebody in New York, a, a principal of a school who would, you know, she would come to you one day and really praise you and all of that. And then two days later you were like doing the worst job ever and we'd be in meetings and she would sometimes single people out, which she really wasn't supposed to do according to the union rules. But, you know, it would be these like vague criticisms that you couldn't really answer. It was like, I feel like your class is moving too slowly. And you'd sort of be like, well, you know, like I've always been very suspicious of that type of quote unquote feedback that like you just can't answer, you know, if, if she said right, right. your test scores were low in math and you need to pick it up teaching math, like, okay, that's something I can do something about. Whereas just saying, well, your class is moving too slowly. It's like, okay. And you know, it's a control mechanism. It's all, it's all about control and power, Matt. Yeah. Well, I assume on wall street, there was a fair amount of browbeating and yelling and berating and all of that. 
Uh, yes, yeah, but there a lot of this, um, uh, you know, uh, employee review garbage, and uh, you know, a lot of that stuff was just thrown out the window. There was there's one metric, you know, are were you making the firm money, and were you making the firm a lot of money? Now, did they then rank you? you did you they could, rank you? You could literally on... do anything you wanted. Did I they... mean, quite literally. Did they rank you on kindness? Yes, yes, that was the, <laughs> that was the, the number one metric was kindness. Em- empathy, <laughs> sincerity. Empathy, yeah, yeah I, I could see that. Like, how much volunteer work do you do outside of the 100 hours a week you work? And, yeah, uh, all, all, all of the above, man. Yeah. All of the above. <laughs> um, yeah, so you just said it. Number two is annual performance reviews that they're pointless, they're insulting, uh, their culture killing programs, um, you know, just like sitting there pointing out someone's mistakes, you like waiting a year and then listing all of their mistakes. It's like, thanks, you know, thanks, thanks a lot. I mean, sometimes I take the attitude like, all right, if you think I'm a bad employee, just fire me, just get rid of me. Like, don't subject me to all this junk. But I feel like it's a lot of cover your ass. Like they have to you know, if they're going to get rid of you, they have to have a stack of, you know, quote unquote evidence that may just be someone's opinion or, you know, something like that. Yeah, because uh, I mean, then it's like, you know, it's definitely cover their ass because in today's environment, you know, they could get sued for, you know, sexual harassment or age discrimination or, you know, you name it. Definitely. And I would, I would sue for that. I would say, yeah, sue in a heartbeat. Age discrimination. <laughs> That's what I would sue for. <laughs> uh, this third one I'd never heard of. It's 360-degree feedback systems, which automatically sounds like complete BS. And it is having one's coworkers anonymously supply feedback on your shortcomings <laughs> oh, oh that's nice it's, it's the, that's the tattletale yeah uh, metric yeah no specific details no context no attribution you know it's like if someone says something about me i want to be direct like okay you know joe jones said that i'm not doing my job appropriately like well first of all who the hell is Joe Jones? I mean, unless you're my superior, I really don't want to hear it. And secondly, like, gets to do this anonymously? I mean, doesn't that just sort of open the door <laughs> to, like, undercutting someone you don't like you know, for whatever reason? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, I would have a field day with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everybody i would cut everybody down you'd be no you'd be, one would uh, be safe you'd be providing feedback 5 days a week <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i that just seems to like encourage a totally awful atmosphere at work cuz like if your manager came to you and said well one of your coworkers said this about you then it's like well i don't even know who that coworker is it could be the person i eat lunch with so you know, fostering. Yeah, and then you would you would have to like you know pretend to be nice to everybody because you'd be fearful that you know uh, Tim from accounting would cut your legs off. In, I know. His, yeah. His review. I know. Oh man, not not a good way to live. And and like, 
not you you can say anything to anyone like you might just have an innocuous conversation where you're you know you're just kind of venting like oh god damn it this project i can't believe we have to do this and da 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 you know because everybody needs to vent a little bit sometimes and then all of a sudden that person's turning around and reporting that and it's like good lord i, I don't know that's that's not a uh, a good one um Bereavement policies that require an employee to bring in a funeral notice when a loved one dies. That's a oh. little that's a little insensitive, I would say. <laughs> I, I want I want to see the body. Right. Forget about the, the notice. I want to see the body. I want to see bring the, body. In the body. I think that's uh that's fair enough, right? You could bring in a video of the body. Well but you have to be in the yeah. video so we can confirm <laughs> who this is. Uh, another one was having an attendance policy. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess in this day and age that, I mean, if you're like, obviously I have to be at work, like I have to be in my classroom at a certain time. Otherwise there's problems. I mean, there's like, you know, safety issues and you know, you're dealing with minors and they need supervision. But I guess with a lot of jobs, like it doesn't really matter. Like I'm sure in your industry, I mean, somebody could work from noon until midnight if they felt like it, as long as they got the project done. Yeah, so it's it's more about um, you know the the work completed as opposed to you know showing up you know but then again you know when you're on set you know they they have to <laughs> they have to be there I, I mean so it's um, you know attendance it's a tough one you know you know and, and then if you, you get if you get too strict with things. Where you you know you maybe have a manager who's uh, you know really on people about you know taking breaks you know bathroom breaks or smoke breaks or whatever, um, and they're trying to uh, you know categorize every single minute, then you're just going to get a backlash from the employees. They're just going to go back to their desk and look at their Facebook feed all day. Well, it's funny. There was a factory. This is went way back when we first started doing these podcasts. I may have talked about it then, but like they were monitoring. These, these were factory workers, but they were monitoring their bathroom breaks and were trying oh. to like, like, it was something like they were keeping track and would take out of your paycheck or something, or you would get some kind of, uh, there would be some ramification if you were taking too many bathroom breaks or you're in the bathroom too long and it's like man i'm an adult here guy like i mean i could see if someone's leaving for 45 minutes and they're doing it like three times a day and you're like hey you know come on now but <laughs> that's you try to i mean you hope everybody acts you know maturely about it but you know it's tough yeah i mean that that's the hope that everybody you know, <laughs> yeah yeah acts like an adult where you don't have to you know set like rules and regulations i know because then it just gets it just gets messy well that's what and i think we talked about this last time when we talked about dress code it's like one woman was saying in in her letter to uh the person that i was referencing who put out this advice, you know, she was like, I don't want to instill a dress code policy, but the way some of these people are showing up to work, like it's unacceptable. And you know, like if someone shows up in like their pajama bottoms, it's like, come on, man. Like, do I really have to tell you not to do that? But 
I saw a guy, I think it was in the supermarket the other day, he was in his pajama bottoms. And it's like, where do we go from here? Like, it was khakis, then jeans have obviously become acceptable. Now it's sweatpants. Now it's pajama bottoms. Like, what's the next step down? <laughs> I don't know where yeah, to right. go. You know, like, <laughs> what is it? I don't know. Like, you're in your pajamas in the supermarket at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday? Yeah, I- I think the next step is just not just not wear anything. Not wear. I mean, you, you yes. Just don't don't even make the effort. So just right out of the shower. Yeah. Right, into the car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe a pair of boxers. That's about it. But you know that that's a thing. Like it was. She's like this dress code policy is in response to people showing up. Like, come on. Like you can't show up to work like that. Like especially if you're dealing with customers. Like you know they want to see like a professional. You know I remember. You must have seen this Larry David episode, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where uh, Ed Asner was on it. You remember that guy from Mary Tyler Moore? Yes, yes, yes. And he was, I forget who he was. He was like a wealthy guy who knew somebody that Larry knew. And he showed up to his lawyer's office and the guy, it was dressed down Friday. And the guys, and Ed Asner is like, why are you dressed like that? And the guy's like, well, it's dressed down Friday. And he's like what are you not handling my affairs today or so? He's like, you're dressed like a cowboy. Like, what is this? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, you do kind of want your, your doctor, or your lawyer. Like if I go to my doctor on a Friday, I don't want like, you know, sort of casual diagnosis and all of that. But I actually heard, um, I read, I don't know where it was, but that like people found it harder to dress like, casually for the office like you know when you had to dress formally it's a uh shirt tie blazer you know and it's pretty standard and you could pretty much have five suits maybe six and you just rotate them and that was pretty easy but then when like people were dressing differently you know know, i guess it's guys in particular they kind of didn't know how to dress like it was making things more complicated and and one thing that it had given rise to was like you know, if you were a powerful guy in the office, you wore the, the Armani suit. Well, now that wasn't really in fashion. So in order to have these displays of wealth and whatnot, you would be wearing like a $15,000 Rolex or these really expensive pens and all these like accoutrements to now convey the sense of power and wealth and success and whatnot. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because in, in my industry... Uh, the most powerful, you know, individual in the room could be in jeans and a t-shirt. Um, so it, it's a, and in fact, you know, if I'm wearing a suit with a tie, I'm going to come off as less creative Yes. than if I am um, in, you know, a, like a button down in jeans with nice shoes is kind of a sweet spot. Ah, okay. um, but definitely not a tie and definitely not a suit. You could wear a suit, but you definitely wouldn't wear a tie. Right. Um, so it's, you know, but then again, like if I'm sitting across from my lawyer or accountant and they're in a t-shirt and jeans, mm, that's not the right look. Right. So yeah. it, it it's really dependent upon, you know, the industry. 
you know, but it used to be like on Wall Street, it used to be, you know, suit, tie, like you said, like Armani suit, like very expensive suit and tie. But now, you know, you can have, you know, hedge fund guys, you know, with a, uh, you know, with khakis and a button down and they're, you know, overseeing billions of dollars of, of capital. Yeah. Um, so that's no, that's not so much the case. Uh, so your traders are more like you dress down, but your your brokers, your investment bankers and stuff, they they'll still wear a suit because again, when they're going to visit a client, they want to convey that professionalism, yeah. and a suit and a tie will, will will do that, even if you're a complete idiot. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh you can get away with so much. I mean, I always say that about teaching, like because occasionally kids will be like, you wear a shirt and a tie every day, and I'm like. Well, or another teacher will comment. I'm like, sometimes this tie is the only legitimacy I have. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing today. But I do have the tie on. So, you know, I'm the only one in the room with a tie on. So uh, it reminded me when you were saying about uh, Wall Street, you know, maybe 30 years ago. My dad had a friend who um, they had a his company had a seat on the mercantile exchange. You know, they did a lot of. uh, lot of business he was a day trader and very buttoned down firm literally and apparently one guy he was a younger guy he showed up uh in a striped shirt and one of the higher ups i don't know if it was my dad's friend or someone else said uh robert the company picnic isn't until july <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the striped shirt was uh, a no-no that's it's a solid color Pink, white, or blue, and that—that that was it. You know, any anything yeah, else? Yeah, you know, of that. and and like you said, you know, it, there was a ease to that. You know, there wasn't. Um, yeah. It was almost. It was almost like a uniform in yeah. a certain respect. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right about well, like when I worked as a grip, you know, you showed up with your tool belt on, and you had certain tools, and if you didn't have those, people would be like, "This guy doesn't know what he's doing." Like, you certainly wouldn't show up. Like, I remember one guy showed up and he was dressed in these, like, designer jeans and these, like, obviously expensive sneakers and what, and it was just like, and he was terrible. He didn't really work. And, you know, it's like, buddy, you got to get down on the ground and crawl under stuff and whatnot. Like, we can't be worried about your diesel jeans and, you know, (laughs) wearing some stupid hat. He was very kind of metrosexual and... It just wasn't selling, you know, so like you show up in Carhartts, you show up in, you know, certain types of jackets and then it does sort of instill a, a level of confidence in people where it's like, okay, he's got his knife, he's got his wrench, he's got his speed thing, he's got, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. Um, so this other, number six was allowing department managers to approve or deny team members applications for internal transfers and promotions uh i assume that means someone you're working for if you wanted a different position they might say no to it which is probably a conflict of interest uh let's see watching when people come and go but not taking into account overtime and taking work home this is sort of like the attendance thing i guess like you know some people show up to work early some people take work home and do it over the weekend and leave early. I don't know. 
again, like this day and age, all that stuff seems in a lot of industries rather antiquated. I mean, so many people work from home. Like Joe Guarino does not go into the office at all. And he said if he happens to once every like six months, the place is a ghost town. There's like 80, <laughs> 80 cubicles, not... I guess management said, or whoever runs the office said, you know, if, if you're not showing up, we're going to have to take your name off the cubicle. And he said, fine. Like, he does everything from home. So, it, it raised an interesting, uh, well, I thought it was interesting, uh, a question in my mind about, like, Manhattan real estate and, like, office real estate in general. Like, if these places are just, you know, if everybody's working from home, or not everybody, but a lot of people, like, what happens to all that office space when they try to lease yeah, it? No, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very valid question. Um, and, you know, typically these businesses, you know, they, they, they go in for like a, a five-year lease. So all, all of this stuff, it's not like it's going to drop off a hill. It's kind of like a slow bleed. But I, I also know huge companies with tens of billions of dollars in annual revenue where a good percentage of their employees, you know, work from home or, um, you know, work three days from home, two days in the office. There's some sort of split. But there is still, you know, there's still jobs where I think it was, you know, IBM famously had, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the number was, but tens of thousands of people working from home and then they called them all back in because <laughs> yeah it it wasn't working out so well yeah so there are there are benefits to it and then there you know there are downsides to it but i think it would have uh, it, i think it is having you know a, a, um, an effect on on real estate but when you look at something like you know manhattan where the demand is uh, not just businesses but residential and the market is not just a local market, it's a national market and an international market is, yeah. you know, that office building could just be turned into a condo or, you know, a re it could be zoned residential. And yeah. then that that space is picked up. Um, but like, <clears throat> you know, and I don't know if studies have been done on this, but like suburban office parks, you know, or, you know, like, like is, what is happening to malls? Is that happening to these, you know, office park areas where, <clears throat> you know, these companies are just shedding office space because they just don't need them anymore. And it's just the same reason why, you know, people are not going to the mall as much because of Amazon. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny in the uh, city of Quincy, which I live next to, it's, it's about 100,000 people. And it's very accessible to Boston, which is making it a lot more popular and the public transportation's gotten better but they keep building offices there and you know they they just build it and then they put a big sign up that says for lease but you know there's one property i'm thinking of right now that i pass by you know fairly frequently and it's been sitting there for like six months with that for lease sign sitting on it and it's kind of like i i don't know how you know, it's it's not residential. It's obviously for an office, but you know, you sort of wonder who's gonna rent that. When you see like some of these places, they're literally like tables set up with laptops on them, and that's basically what they need. They don't really need anything else. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean, with technology, that's you know, that's basically it. They don't 
you know, you don't need this huge infrastructure and you need, you don't need to go into the office every day and, and, you know, um, you know, pl play the office politics game, <laughs> which I you love. Know? I just love, oh, well, I love it too. Joe it did too. say he does kind of miss certain things like having lunch with other people, like going out for drinks with other people. Like if you're working from home and it's funny, you know, it would be to see that kind of trickle down effect maybe 20 years from now, like, you know, that place where maybe five employees from whatever company would go to have lunch every day, they're not doing that anymore. You know, that bar they would go to on a Thursday night for drinks and maybe drop 50 bucks each, they're not doing that anymore. And it's sort right. of like, like Stanford, Connecticut, I think it was, Stan it was either Stanford or Hartford that I, I worked on a film job up there for about two weeks and we stayed up there. And the place after five o'clock was a ghost town. There was nobody around. And it was funny, like, we found one bar basically to go hang out at. And it was very hard to walk around. Like, the downtown area was not pedestrian friendly. It was basically like you drive in, you go into the uh, parking garage, you go to your office, maybe you eat lunch in the area, but then you get in your car and you go home. And, you know, if, and that's that's when people were actually, you know, going to the offices. This is maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, you sort of wonder what starts to happen to all of that in, like, downtown Manhattan or... I mean, there's so many people who live in Manhattan, it probably doesn't make a huge difference. But I have to assume it does start to put a little bit of a dent in the numbers. Oh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it has. I'm sure over the past decade it, it definitely has. Um, but... You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is interesting. It's interesting to see, like, what kind of effect that has, like, like you're saying is, like, on, you know, you know, people's, you know, just the social function of, of going into an office, yeah. you know, that, that because if you are, you know, working from home and say you're a single guy or a single girl, that could be, it could be very, you know, you know, lonely. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost isolationism and you're only, I mean, I'm sure you're getting on conference calls and phone calls and stuff like that, but you're, you don't have that, um, that one-to-one, -one, you know, human interaction. You can't go to the office cooler and talk about the walking dead, you know, and. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, what are you going to do with yourself? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, number eight was not getting letters of. Or not not giving letters of reference. Like I've always kind of wondered how that works. Like if I, I don't know if there's some sort of understanding because you know I have a friend right now who left a company and it wasn't on bad terms, but they weren't great. It was sort of a mutual parting of the ways, I guess. You know, he just didn't get along with his manager, and you know, and and he's a good guy. You know, I don't really think it was his fault, but I never really knew how that works with like well, what do you tell your next employer? Or, you know, if you go to a job interview and you're not going to get a great letter of reference, you know, do you do you just say like, well, you know, I, we didn't really get along or, or are they, is it just sort of common practice that a, they would give you a letter of reference as long as you weren't like stealing from the company or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's, you really have to do something pretty bad to not get a letter of reference. Yeah. Uh, and if you did something really terrible, you wouldn't really ask for a letter of reference. You'd probably <laughs> use your judge. Hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. 
Yeah, I never, I, I guess it's just sort of common courtesy that if, yeah, like if you weren't stealing or you didn't get outright fired for harassing someone or stalking somebody, then, you know, because I, I assume like everybody's kind of in the same boat in a sense, like, I don't know. Or, I mean, I guess if you just said, listen, I just didn't get along with the people at that company. And I mean, if, if you have like five companies you've worked at in five years and every time you're saying, well, I just didn't get along with those people, then... Right. <laughs> then you got to connect the dots. No, they're all wrong. All those people are wrong. And I'm right. Uh, one was stealing frequent flyer miles from employees. I don't really know how that works, but uh, I, I, that's... Uh, that, that, I mean, that might be your, you know, you have like a corporate card. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you could, uh, I, guess, I guess from the pool, like transfer the points to your personal account. Maybe I, I actually I don't know how that would that would work, but that would be pretty, pretty devious. Scummy, yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty scummy. But you know, yeah. it's it's amazing what some people do. Like some woman up here lost her job. Um, she worked for the state police. She was not a police officer, but the the state police in Massachusetts have had a mess with. <clears throat> there were police officers. Uh, who working different details at the airports and things like that. They were earning with their overtime, some of them over three hundred thousand dollars a year, and apparently the uh, accounting on oh this is yeah, the accounting has been rather lax in the last like ten years, and nobody, of course, looked at any of this. I'm assuming they're going to let all this blow over, and they're just going to figure out some other way to uh, to do these things, but. Uh, this one woman, she uh, she worked for them. She embezzled, took something like $24,000 or $28,000. And, you know, she's like 49 years old. Apparently she owed that much in credit card debt. And so she took it. I don't know how she did it. Um, signed checks over to herself or something. And they found out about it. So now not only has she lost her job, she's facing criminal charges. And I'm like, for $28,000... Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, if you're talking over half a million, I might roll the dice on that. But like either way, I remember my dad saying to me, like, listen, if you take five hundred dollars or five hundred thousand dollars, you're still going to be branded a thief and untrustworthy. So yeah, you, might, you might as well go for the bigger pot. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't really encouraging me to steal half a million dollars, but like, there's something. But if you are going to steal, yeah, take as much as you can get, right? Well, there's some like you know people kind of I think you know they might think oh that's terrible and whatnot on one level, but on another level it's like wow five hundred thousand dollars is pretty good, <laughs> you know that's respectable. It's respectable. Yeah, you know it's the um, I had a guy that I grew up with that. Um, did something very similar to what Madoff did. Oh, right. So he was he was he was a small time broker, and essentially he was covering his losses um, by taking his clients' money um, and basically like boosting his numbers. But in the you know the um, in the SEC, it was is the same. Uh, infractions and the same sentences as Madoff, oh. but he did it on a much smaller scale. So he did it to the tune of like three hundred thousand dollars. Now this is not not money he personally pocketed. He was just inflating his numbers. But 
he is in jail now. Oh. His wife divorced him. He is... Um, I, I don't know what his sentence is, but it's not good. <laughs> this is the guy you went to high school uh, with? This is a guy I caddied with. Oh. Um, and I, I want to say he's it, he's got maybe an eight-year sentence, maybe. Um, and he <laughs> did it just to... I mean, he... He benefited financially, monetarily, but it's not like he stole the $300,000 and went out and bought a car with it right, you know, or right. a house. Yeah. It was more like he received in, in, the, uh, in the form of bonuses and you know his, his pay was tied to that. Um, so he was fabricating the numbers, but he was, he was convicted, you know, it was a federal charge. He was convicted in a federal court. Oh. Um, he was sentenced. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, just I remember not, not good. My, uh, you know, my dad would talk about how, you know, important it was. You could not, you know, as an attorney intermingle personal funds and client funds like that. That was just a huge no, no. And you, you would lose your license. You could face jail time over doing things like that, but some lawyers would do it. You know, they had to cover, something else so they you know quote unquote borrow the money from the client's account fully intending to pay it back and then they'd buy another bag of cocaine and that would then they would inject some more heroin yeah and like, and, ah, i can't pay that back yeah yeah so you know you just kind of always rolling the dice and this and that and i guess you're always trying to push off the time you know like Okay, I'll take care of this next month. I'll put the money back in next. You know, you're always trying to stave off that day of reckoning, but and some guys do. I guess some guys get away with it, but I don't know. I just don't I don't really have the intestinal fortitude to do it. Like it's not really a moral thing. <laughs> I just would be so I couldn't sleep at night, so I'd be like, you know, cuz I'd be so worried about it. Yeah, you you you'd continually shit your pants. Exactly. You know, so like, yeah, I don't have the stomach for that kind of thing. Um, so the 10th one was, and this was interesting, it's uh, stop using online application forms, then using a keyword searching algorithm to screen resumes, which I think there's all these advertisements on TV uh, for, I think, this very thing, because there'll be a guy saying like, oh, you know, I spent all my time sifting through these resumes, but this website does it for me, and I, I guess that's... Uh, you know, it's a way to save time for the employer, but apparently, you know, according to this thing I was reading, it's, you know, you really should be reading resumes. I mean, it may be a pain in the ass, but it's part of your job to do that. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's like, you know, there's, there's the, this whole thing about, um, you know, you know, you, you want it, but you could have, you know, you could be a large company, you could be going through thousands of resumes. You yeah, want yeah. to have some sort of um, something that you know can can cull that down for you. Yeah. You know, if but if you if you're like if you're bitching and moaning about going through a dozen resumes, yeah, <laughs> I know. You just gotta you just gotta hunker down and and get through that five minutes of your day. Well, <laughs> I think. Uh... Like, is Indeed, is that what they do? Is that some sort of resume screening thing? I think Indeed is like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's a it's a service that helps you, like, um, you know, go through the, the pile. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
It's like a I I I believe actually I'm I'm not entirely sure, but I think that's what they do. Well, you know, uh, maybe three years ago when I was job hunting <clears throat> up here, and you know, I'd, I'd apply to charter schools, private schools, public schools, and charter schools. Like you know, that's been a huge debate up here. I know it's been a debate other places, and you know, they may do a very good job education wise and all that, but. Trying to apply for a job at one of these places is the most ridiculous process. Like, one place wanted me to submit a video of myself teaching. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not teaching right now. And and then she said, well, you, you worked at this high school before, right? And I said, yeah. She's like, well, would they let you come into the classroom and film? I'm like, no. Like, there's a teacher in there. Like, I'm not going to ask them to do that. Like, So then this other place, they said... Um, uh, oh, well, one place <laughs> I went to an office in Boston. I thought it was the school, but it was just this office. The school hadn't been built yet. I was like, what? And the guy's like, <laughs> or, or they didn't have space for it yet. And not that they were going to build a whole new structure, but he's like, yeah, we're looking into this, looking into that. And I was kind of like, well, why don't you call me when you have an actual school? And then maybe we can talk. <laughs> I when, mean, when the building's in place. Yeah. And then this other place uh, set up a phone interview, which I'm never crazy about, but okay, fine. So set it up for 11 o'clock, you know, whatever morning. So I'm talking to the person and then she said, uh, I got the, well, it became evident that this was not the school I was talking to. This was a service that they had hired to screen these calls and I was like, wait, you don't, she, I think she said it in the beginning and I didn't really pick up on what she meant. And then, you know, just the, to the, the way she was asking the questions, or I might've asked her a question like, well, what do you guys do about such, what's your policy on such and such? Anyway, it was one of these services. So I just hung the phone up. I'm like, I'm not talking to, so then I called the school and I was like, I was really mad because, you know, I'd wasted time getting prepped for this interview and all this and that. So I called them and I said, you know, I thought the phone interview was with you, was with someone from your administration. Oh, well, no. Right. And I was like, I'm talking on the phone to you right now. Like, why can't you do this yourself? And I don't, I forget what else I said. I didn't say anything particularly nasty, but I was like, can't you pick up a phone and ask questions? Like, this is what you're spending money on? An outside service? I mean, like... Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, we hit 42 minutes with that. So, maybe we should call it a podcast. Yeah, I think I think we should wrap it up. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, please stay tuned for more podcasts and subscribe via iTunes to the Working Experience Podcast. It is free. So, all you're going to waste is your time. If you listen to it, <laughs> okay, that, you know, come on, you're not doing anything anyway. You're just watching television. So, so now that I've insulted the entire audience, yeah, you insulted, you insulted not only our audience, but our future audience. And I've insulted what that's got to be eight listeners of alien. Yeah, that's about maybe, maybe six, six and a half listeners. Yeah. And most of those are family members. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to sign off now. Thanks a lot, everybody. All right. Thanks, everyone.